Good morning, church. My name is Roy, and this is my wife, Kerry, and we've been attending TCC since May 2023. The first scripture reading will be taken from Exodus 20, verse 7. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. The second scripture reading will be taken from Luke 10, 30-37. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the young man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Now go and do the same. The word of the Lord. Good morning, TCC. Um, it is a privilege to be able to preach this morning, and uh, we have been going through a sermon series over the last little bit uh, titled The Way, and we've been kind of deep diving down this path looking at how do we understand how we are supposed to live as Christians, the way that we are called to walk. Each week we've been exploring uh, one of the Ten Commandments, And these Ten Commandments, if we remember, they were given to Israel by God in Exodus. Um, But in the same way that they were given to Israel, they are also given to us. And they are just ways that God is calling to guide our steps and to call our hearts back to him. And so today's commandment, uh, which was already read, is found in Exodus 20, verse 7. And it's a commandment that, at first glance, might seem pretty straightforward. But as we'll discover, it holds profound implications for our daily lives. The commandment, once again, says, You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And with this commandment, we can probably take it a couple different directions. We can look at it from the perspective of the, like, literally misusing the name of the Lord your God and, like, swearing and using his name in vain. Uh, or we can use it, like, in the sense of, like, invoking his name in the wrong way. But it's pretty clear through scripture that we are called to guard our tongues and that we really shouldn't be using that. And, and so I'm hoping for all of us here today that that's kind of a given, that we just really should not be doing that. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time focusing on that. don't want to spend a lot of time really building a whole sermon around that. We could also take it in the direction of uh, using the Lord's name to kind of really mean what we're saying, like by swearing by the Lord God and like really trying to take an oath and committing it by, I really mean this because I'm invoking God's name in that commitment. Not something that we do so much nowadays, but in olden times, that was really a big thing. And if we were to look at that, our our very simple answer would be found in the book of James in his letter, where he writes, just let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. And both interpretations of this commandment would be a correct way to look at this commandment, and and so that is definitely uh, correct. But I want to take those as just givens. We know that as Christians. We are not supposed to do those things. And so I really want to kind of take it a different direction this morning, one which I think has a lot more impact on how we are called to live our life and the way that this commandment actually speaks to us. I want to look at this commandment 
more so as a way that God is actually calling us as Christians to bear his name correctly, to represent him authentically in every facet of our lives. But what does it mean to bear God's name? How do our actions, how do our words, or even our silent moments reflect our relationship with Christ? And when people look at us, do they see genuine bearers of Christ's love and grace and truth? That's the direction I want to take this, is how are we called to bear God's name? And it happens in all those different ways. And I think it's incredibly hard. It's increasingly difficult because in today's world, we just have this social media side of things that often showcases a filtered version of reality. And authenticity is just becoming a rare commodity. And so how do we ensure that our representation of Christ is actually genuine? How do we ensure that our lives don't just echo empty religious phrases and rituals but instead resonate with the true essence of Christ Jesus. The call before us that I really want to lay out today is one we find time and time again in Scripture, but especially the narrative between Jesus and his disciples, his followers. And so I want to invite you today to join me as we delve into the next series in The Way of bearing God's name, exploring the power of authenticity, the importance of sharing our stories, and the transformative impact of living out a faith that is rooted in truth and in love. Does that sound okay? We'll go, we'll go through that. Uh, So to do that, let's just pray. Let's just invite God to speak, uh, and then we'll really get into this. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. And, and God, in, in a day like this where it's, it's a weekend celebrating Thanksgiving, God, we want to give thanks to you. And Lord, uh, a big way that we can do that is actually just, just live our life for you. May our life just be full of thanksgiving for the grace and forgiveness that you have provided. And so, Lord God, as we look at bearing your name today, Lord God, may we consider how we are doing that. And may we look at that as a way of offering thanksgiving to you. So speak, Lord God. May may your words be the things that stick out through this message. Uh, May your seeds take root in our heart. Uh, And may everything else that's just not what we need to walk away with, may that just kind of fade to the background. May we hear you speak this morning through these words and through your passages. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Our key passage that you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God also has that background of if you do, the Lord says that you will not go unpunished. And we'll cover that in a second. But at its core, this commandment is about reverence and representation. It's not merely about verbal misuse, as we talked about already, such as using God's name as a casual exclamation or in a curse. It's deeper than that. It's about how we as followers of Christ carry the name of the Lord Jesus in our day-to-day lives. But within that, we need to realize, as I said, it's about reverence. So what does reverence for God's name actually look like? Well, the name of the Lord is holy, and in biblical times, especially back then, a name carried a lot of weight. And even still to this day, we believe that names carry weight. That's why we name our kids specific things, hoping and praying that this thing would take root in their life. But the name of the Lord is holy. It represented his character. Names in the biblical times really represented one's character, their essence, and their reputation. And in this particular passage in Exodus, the Lord uh, is actually all capitalized, which means it represents the name of the Lord given to Moses at the burning bush, which is Yahweh. And it comes from this interaction where God says, I am who I am. And believe me, we could probably spend a lot of time uh, looking at that and talking about that. We actually just did this in youth group, and I went to talk about the name of the Lord and completely got it wrong. I said it was Yeshua. Whoops. 
just a brain moment in the middle of a message, and, and so thankfully I was able to back that up, but it means Yahweh, and it is I am who I am. This name speaks to the self-existence and self-sufficiency of God. All others are dependent upon him for their breath and for their existence. We are dependent upon Yahweh for our existence. This God is the one who invites us through Jesus Christ to bear his name to the world. A God who actually doesn't need us, and yet he invites us to participate in his action in the world. That is amazing that that God invites us to bear his name. Names carried a lot of weight. And this is also true when it comes to the New Testament. Jesus, actually, as he's spending time with his disciples, he ends up renaming three of them. And one of them is this very profound gentleman named Simon. And Simon gets renamed to become Peter. This name which means the rock the rock upon which his church would be built. And this happens in 1 John uh, chapter chapter 1, verse 42. And from then on, Simon is just known as Peter. And this name completely changes Peter's life, his identity. And from then on, his life is all about Jesus. And while we as Christians nowadays, we don't really get renamed when we accept Jesus into our life. But we do something else instead. We start identifying ourselves as Christians. We place ourselves, as Peter did, caught up in his existence, his identity, his purpose, Jesus' purpose. And so as Christians, yes, we are Christ followers. We follow him, but it goes so much deeper than that. As Christians, we become Christ to the world. We become his hands and his feet, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12. So when we share with people that we are Christians, we are actually invoking God's name. We are calling back to him, his identity, his character, his nature. We are saying, my life is his, so so meet Jesus through me. That's what we're saying when we tell the world around us that we are Christians. When we identify as Christians, it means we're invoking his name, which means our life needs to be reflecting his nature. So does our life, our attitude, our choices reflect the nature of Christ? Because to misuse God's name then is not as easy as not representing Christ in our life. Sorry, it is as easy as that. By saying that we are Christian, we are, and we don't follow his nature, we don't actually reflect Christ, we are misusing his name. We are completely going against this commandment. And so we need to be careful how we are living our life, how we are representing Christ to the world around us. To say we are Christian and to not have our life reflect that is to show that our understanding or respect for who God is, is broken. In the same way that he called Peter, he has called you by name to follow him. So how are you representing Jesus to the world? We are, in essence, his ambassadors. And and 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, talks about how we are called to go into the world and to share Jesus with the world. So when people see us, they should get a glimpse of who God is. If our actions, words, or attitudes misrepresent God, we are misusing his name in our lives. And there could be so many difficulties that come from being a Christian nowadays, but I think the heaviest one is just that. It's the weight of being authentic, of being actually who we are called to be. It is so easy in our day-to-day life just to people-please the people around us. It's so easy to present one side of ourselves to some people and then completely represent a different side to 
others, to our family, to our closest friends, to our neighbors, to our work colleagues. It can be tempting even to come to church and just put on that side of ourselves that's going to fit in really easily here because we know that's kind of what we have to do. But the call to follow Christ is a call to be authentic. God calls us to be his ambassadors. He calls us to actually represent him to the world, to represent his very nature. And that call is from a God who identifies himself as Yahweh. I am who I am. Forever and always, God's character remains the same. Is our character as who you are the same wherever you go? Or does it change based on the context? And so the question that kind of gets begged from this, at least that's what comes to my mind, is are you being who you really are? Wherever you are, are you actually being authentically you? I recently had a conversation with a student that like just blew me away. This amazing young woman of God like wanted to talk to me and, and talk about that she's struggling with like, I, I, I just want to be who God has created me to be, but I'm struggling to really be authentically a Christian in my school, to be authentically the same person at youth that I am with my friend. Like, like how do I do that? And as I was talking with her, I was just like blown away by her heart's desire just to worship God with her life. What an amazing young woman that we have at TCC. And this is all of our youth. They are incredible and they just desire to really seek out Jesus. And it is a privilege to be able to pastor and walk alongside them because constantly I am just being ridiculously placed in awe of their faith and their genuine commitment to Christ. The weight of authenticity is a tricky one, especially in a world that's filled with facades and superficiality. Bearing God's name, though, calls us, Yahweh, I am who I am, calls us to authenticity. It's a call to live a life that's consistent with our beliefs, to be genuine in our faith and to ensure that our representation of God is accurate, is honorable, and to not let our faith sit on a shelf only to be picked up when we are around our Christian brothers and sisters. Rather, we need to realize and own the fact that our Faith is a life-changing event that changes our trajectory as it did for Peter when Jesus gave him his new name. We have a new name when we follow Jesus, and it is being a Christian, being this Christ follower. It changes everything when we encounter the living God. Amen? This privilege of knowing God and following him is a big thing. Of, uh, of actually representing him. It, it's a big deal. When we bear the name of Christ, we are aligning ourselves with the creator of the universe, the savior of humanity, and the king of kings. It is a profound honor that God has chosen us, that he has called us by name. We are his children, and we've been entrusted to a task, which is to represent him on this earth. That is our position here. And it's a privilege. With this privilege, though, comes a significant responsibility. Just as an ambassador for a country represents them in the foreign land, we represent God in this world. Our actions, words, and even our thoughts should be refl a reflection of God's heart and his character. Bearing God's name isn't, and I think we get this, but we, it isn't just a one-time event of coming to him and, and, and professing our faith in him when we know and understand Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It is a daily commitment instead. We daily have to make that choice to follow him. And it is going to require some self-reflection along the way. It's going to require every once in a while to actually realign ourselves with God's word. 
and to combat sin in our lives and to combat the flesh in us that's constantly pulling us away from God. So we must constantly ask ourselves, are my actions honoring God? Am I living in a way that draws people closer towards Jesus? Or am I living in such a way that it is just going to push people away from him? Misrepresenting God's name has consequences. The later half of our passage in Exodus details that it will not go without punishment. But further, not only does it damage our personal relationship with him, as I just said, it can hinder others from coming to Christ. When people see hypocrisy, when they, say, when they see inconsistency or ungodliness in those who claim to bear God's name, it can create barriers for them to come to know Jesus. It can create walls from, from, that they are going to have to hurdle over to try to find Jesus. But on the flip side, when we bear God's name authentically, it has the power to transform lives. Authentic representation shines a light in the darkness, offers hope to the hopeless, and draws people to the heart of God. It is a testimony to the transformative power of God's love and his grace in our lives when we are authentically following him. People see that and they get it. And that's the amazing privilege that we get to do, that how our life makes an impact in the world around us. But we also need to realize that it's not going to be perfect. No one is perfect. Romans says all fall short of the glory of God, and we are constantly going to be messing up, falling short at times. However, bearing God's name calls us to a continuous journey of growth. It's about recognizing our shortcomings, repenting to a God whose grace and forgiveness is just constantly flowing down to us. And it's striving each and every single day to be more like Jesus. Bearing God's name is a sacred task, one which we should approach with reverence and humility, but also dedication. We need to be about it. It's about living a life that not only professes faith in God, but, all, but also demonstrates that faith through authentic actions and interactions. That is what people are looking for, authenticity. As we continue in our walk with God, may we ever be mindful of the privilege and responsibility that we have in bearing his name to the world. And may our lives be a true reflection of his love and grace. And again, knowing that we aren't going to do this perfectly. We are going to mess up. Recently, um, just this last week, Lara and I had this amazing privilege of going over to a friend's house. And, and these friends are people um, that we've interacted with and, and uh, built a relationship with in our community over in Chappelle. That's where we live. And as we have built relationship with them... Um, we, like, they are not Christians by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and so when we hang out with them, it is just this unique privilege that Lara and I have to represent Jesus to them. And Lara also works in the community, and, like, man alive, I'm blown away by the way that she just lives her faith out in, in her community and that she serves our community so well. Um, but as we were hanging out with our friends, one of the things that Lara and I will always, like, like very often do is we'll, like, pray about going into hanging out with them. Or we'll pray about afterwards meeting with them of, like, God, just use something we said. God, like, can you just allow them to see Jesus in our lives? And I know, like, Lara prays about that daily as she goes to work and serves her community, serves our community. But as we were hanging out with them uh, and just spending time, I know, like, we got there and, like, we, we, we got to see their new house because they just bought a new house in Leduc. And uh, a part of it was also the fact that, like, they just had, to, had two kids recently. And so they needed a bigger house and being able to celebrate with them uh, just how amazing it is for them to have this and, and be able to spend time with them. Uh, and so we, like, got there and we just had a lot of small talk, as you always do. Uh, and then we started to eat dinner and we got to hang out with the kids and they were touring us around their new house. Uh, and we just spent time with them and hung out with them. And one of the things that, like, Lara and I will, will very often do is, like, we're not going to be the ones who, who really are going to initiate 
the Christ conversation with them. We want it to just naturally flow from the things that we're talking about. So we're not going to like abruptly stop a conversation and be like, let me share Jesus with you because that's super awkward and not going to go well. And so what we try to do is just like share Jesus through the things that we're talking about. And so as we were hanging out with them and, and as we were talking about like life and work and all this kind of stuff, all of a sudden we're sharing like some of these weird interactions that, that we've had at work. And in the midst of that, all of a sudden our friends start asking us like really deep questions about our faith. And they're like, where, where, what do you, what do you guys as a church think about this issue? And I'm like, sweet, let's go there. And so I just got to like talk about our faith and, and Lara and I were going back and forth and sharing. And then all of a sudden, uh, her husband asks a deep question and then we're bouncing off of that. And, and the conversation all of a sudden becomes just this deep, meaningful conversation that Lara and I have been praying about for so long. And we didn't end that conversation with all of a sudden praying for them as they received Jesus. But what we believe happened is that we had an opportunity to plant some seeds. That we had an opportunity just to share Jesus. And, and we hope and pray that us being authentic with them, of, of just really being ourselves and who God has made us to be. And as we shared the, the power and the grace that God has given us, that maybe that would be the transformative thing that they latch on to. And so our prayer is that that seed was planted, that they will, uh, at some point, that that'll get watered, that it'll eventually bloom and grow, and that we will see this amazing husband and wife and their kids come to faith in Jesus Christ. But we just have the privilege of, of being with them and loving them where they're at. And this experience that Lara and I had with our friends, I think is a testament to the power of living out in authentic faith. It's not about grand gestures or preparing this eloquent speech to give to them when we hang out with them. Often it's just our genuine actions and our stories and our willingness to be vulnerable that speaks the loudest. And for Lara and I, like, one of the things that our friends know is that Lara and I have, like, struggled to conceive for the last eight years. And as we celebrate that they have two kids, that conversation definitely comes up. And we get to share that we just believe that God is at work in the midst of it, that he's not done with our story, that he, even if uh, things go the way that we want it to, that God's going to be praised. And even if it doesn't, God is going to still be praised and he's going to be beautiful and awesome and he's still good even in the midst of it all. That is about being authentic with our people around us, of saying sometimes, I don't know where God's at, but I trust that he's still working. I don't know if God's going to answer our prayer, but I just believe that he is still good. And I'm going to trust that he is still good. In the New Testament, Jesus has these interactions with the teachers of the law constantly, and and he's just rebuking them time and time again. Not because they lacked knowledge. Not because they didn't know the Bible, the Torah. Not because they didn't know that stuff but rather because their actions didn't align with their words. They professed a faith, but their hearts were just so far from God. And that is why we read the parable of the Good Samaritan. Where is our actions lining up? There were people who walked past this man on the ground, and they were the teachers. Like, they were the people that should, that we would look to and be like, they're going to do what they need to do. They're going to follow what God is calling them to do, and yet they don't. And Jesus, through that story, is sharing, it is not about having a title. It is not about having knowledge. It is about getting our hands dirty and doing the work of loving people, even in the mess of whatever is going on. That is the power of that story. Authentic faith is about ensuring that our beliefs penetrate our hearts, influencing our actions and decisions and our interactions. Authentic faith, then, is consistent. It is not swayed by circumstances, peer pressures, or societal norms. It remains steadfast, reflecting God's unchanging nature. If our faith is consistent, it says the same thing about God, that God is consistent. 
And so in a world filled with inconsistencies where truth is subjective, a consistent faith will stand out and it will draw others to the truth of God's love. And so just as I shared my story about Larry and I's interaction, I know that this room is filled with stories of us as a church loving our neighbors, of being authentic with them. And those testimonies are powerful. These stories are powerful tools that God can use to touch the heart and change lives. And we need to be sharing these testimonies, these stories with our fellow believers. We need to be sharing where God is at work in our lives Because these testimonies offer hope. They showcase God's transformative power and provide tangible evidence of his active presence in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I really desperately need to hear more stories of how God is at work in our lives. I desperately need to hear from my friends, from my youth leaders, from my students, where God is just showing up. Because I know he is. And I think for all of us, if we just heard that more, our faith would just get deeper because maybe in the things that we're struggling to really hope for, that maybe that would just convince us to hope and believe that God is still doing something. So sharing our stories is powerful. But we also need to realize that sometimes sharing our stories is going to be a challenge. It's going to cause pain And maybe in the midst of some of our stories as we're sharing them, we're going to be confused about where God is. And that's okay. Because even in these moments, sharing allows us to process. It allows us to find support. And allows us to discover through other people speaking into our lives where God actually is at work. And maybe as we share with our friends, maybe they will also say, I don't know, that's so tough. I don't know where God is in the midst of that. But can I pray for you? Can I just trust alongside you that God isn't done with that story yet? That he's still faithful? That the God who promises to remain faithful is just going to finish out that story? That is what we get to do with each other. And I think that is like just so contrasted with this social media style world that we have nowadays. And by that, I don't just mean on social media, although, let's be honest, social media can be bad because it just presents one side of people's lives. But I think as society, we've really started doing that ourselves, that we have just started presenting one side of ourselves to the people around us, that we present this, this perfect image, as best as it can be perfect, to everyone around us because we don't really want to let them in. But let me tell you what kind of happens with that. Imagine for a moment that you're visiting an art gallery. And as you walk through the corridors, you come across a series of photographs, each more breathtaking than the last. The first one is a a pristine beach with crystal clear water. The next is a majestic mountain bathed in golden glow of sunset. The next one is this vibrant cityscape that seems to pulse with life. Each photograph in itself is is flawless, invoking feelings of awe and wonder. But as you move to the next room, you discover another set of photographs. These are the the behind-the-scenes kind of shots. The pristine beach that you thought was just so beautiful and so romantic had throngs of tourists just outside of the frame. The majestic mountain was, in in fact, a, a small hill, and its grandeur was a result of clever camera angles. The vibrant cityscape, it was taken in a rundown part of town with the glitz and the glamour added in post-production. This is the world that far often we find ourselves in, this social media-style world, a world where we're often presented with the highlight reel of someone's life, carefully curated to showcase only the best moments And it's easy to fall into the trap of comparison, feeling that our lives don't measure up to the next person's. But the truth is, behind every perfect post is a real person with real struggles, doubts, and challenges. And how true of that is also that for our faith, where sometimes we actually are really struggling. 
that there is stuff going on that we're doubting and, and we are worried that if we let people see the faith that we have, that, that mustard seed of a faith, that maybe they'll criticize us. Maybe they'll say that we don't really know Jesus. But Jesus called it a mustard-sized faith for a reason. And he said that that faith could move mountains. And so we don't need to be perfect Christians. In fact, that will completely discredit Christ when we do that because it belittles his sacrifice on the cross. We need to be authentic with one another. We need to allow people into our life. The danger lies not just in comparing ourselves to these curated images, these perfect stories, this perfect faith, but in the temptation to curate the appearance of our own lives in return, to present a version of ourselves that's polished, filtered, and far from the authentic selves, from far from our authentic selves. In doing so, we build walls. We prevent genuine connections and authentic relationships. Further, you construct this false image of what following Jesus looks like to the world around us. We present to them that you need to have your life together, that you need to be without sin to follow Jesus. And by sharing what actual authentic faith looks like, we just completely tear down those walls. We completely tear down those barriers that will prevent people from following Jesus. When we present what what authentic faith looks like, people can know that they can come to Jesus as they are because Jesus says that he loved us first. He loved us first. He didn't love us in response to us turning to him. He didn't love us in response to us loving him. He loved us first. And so in a world of filters and facades, let's strive to be authentic, to connect deeply with others, and remember that our true identity is found not in curated images that we present, but in the unchanging love and grace of God. In essence, an authentic faith isn't just about what we believe. It's about how we live out those beliefs. Bearing God's name in the world is that is believing in God, but living it out and being real with it. As we share our stories, we not only bear witness to God's work in our lives, but also invite others to experience his love and his grace firsthand. As youth leaders, we are currently, uh, like, this is a new assignment, and uh, Tim hates this assignment because he also is helping out with youth. I'm just kidding, Tim. You love you. Um, but we, uh, we gave out this book for us to all read. He just likes to tease me. That's why. Uh, I gave out this book to read for all of us as youth leaders, and it's called Love Does by Bob Goff. And uh, if you are in need of a very good, encouraging, faith-filled, story-filled read, read this book, Love Does by Bob Goff. It is an incredible book about Bob's life experiences, the lessons that he's learned from them. These stories are usually incredibly entertaining, weird, unusual, and yet at its core, very human. And Bob just shares stories of his life. He shares about how God has been at work in his life, how he, God has been showing him how love actually does. Love actually calls us to do stuff, not just experience it and know it, but it calls us to action. And in one of his stories that Bob shares, he shares this amazing story from when he was a high school student. Uh, And he was a high school student, and he was really struggling with his grades, and he was just really struggling in school. And so Bob, young Bob in high school, he decides that he just can't do it anymore. I'm looking at my youth leaders like, did you read this one yet? Because this is the first chapter Tim, did you read it yet? <laughs> okay, so anyway, so Bob is in high school, and he uh, is really struggling. And in the midst of this struggle, he just decides to call it quits. It's the weekend, thank goodness. Uh, but he just decides to call it quits. And he uh, decides that he's going to go to Yosemite, and he's going to go mountain climb. But he knows that to be able to mountain climb, he's going to need some money. And so his whole idea is, I'm going to go to Yosemite, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to work there, and then during my off days, I'm just going to go and climb, because I love mountain climbing. I love this. This will be so much fun. And so he decides to do this. And on his way out, he realizes that, you know, I've really built this relationship with this weird Christian person. We're all weird. And he, uh, 
he goes to this person, his, his leader from young life, and he goes to this person and he says, Randy, uh, I'm done with high school. I need to go. I need to leave. Um, just wanted to let you know I'm not going to be at our meetings anymore. That's where I'm going, just so you're aware. And Randy, this young man, looks at Bob and says, can you hold on a second? And Bob's like, uh, sure. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. He's like, I just, I need to do something quick. Just give me one second. Don't, don't leave. And so Bob's on the stoop and Randy closes the door and he walks away into the house and, and Bob's waiting there for a bit. And then Randy comes back out with a bag pack and he says, I'm with you, Bob. I'm going with you. And, uh, and Bob's like, what the heck? <laughs> I didn't invite you. Like, what are you doing? And, uh, and, and yet Randy and Bob end up going to Yosemite. And, uh, and they get there, and, and throughout the whole time, uh, Bob's like, like he, he's beginning to wonder, like, why is he here? Like, what is really going on? And every time he just asks uh, Randy, Randy just continues to say, I'm with you. I'm with you, Bob. I'm here for you. I'm with you. And so they get there, and, and Bob's like, all right, first thing is, like, let's settle into the hostel, and, and I'm going to go try to find work. And Randy's like, sweet, I'll come with you. Uh, I'll be in the car. You go, you go apply, whatever. And so Bob does that. He goes to different places, and he tries to apply. And eventually, day after day after day after day, nothing happens. Bob doesn't get a job. And every time Bob goes back to the car discouraged, Randy just turns to him and says, I'm with you, Bob. I'm with you. And in the midst of all of this, Bob just gets super discouraged, and uh, he eventually just decides after days of this to call it quits, and he says, Randy, I think, I think it's time to go home. I, uh, I, I think this isn't going to work out. I might as well just go finish high school, and we'll go from there, and Randy just turns to him and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm here for you. Let's go, and they drive back, and uh, what an amazing testimony, what a powerful thing of, of someone who, who is representing, of bearing God to this young man, just showing him that God is there in the midst of the struggles. But the story doesn't end there. They get back into their hometown, and Bob is the one driving, it's his car, and so they pull up to Randy's house, and, and Bob, feeling bad about everything that's transpired, kind of grabs Randy's bag, I think, I'm trying to remember exactly, but helps Randy to the house regardless. And they get into the house, and, and as Randy goes in, uh, opens the door and goes in, Bob sees that his girlfriend is there, and he's like, that's weird, maybe he was looking, she was looking after the house, or whatever, and then Bob kind of like takes in the house for a second, and sh- he sees that there are packages all over the ground, most of them still with wrapping paper on it. And it clicks for Bob that Randy just got married. And that instead of going on a honeymoon or, or spending the first bit of his marriage with his wife, Randy just went with Bob and was with him in the midst of it. Following God is going to cost us. Following him and bearing his name is, is going to be difficult. But the impact that can be had from it is going to be transformative. It is going to change lives as we fully represent Jesus to the world. It is an everyday, day-by-day choice, faith. And no matter how small an opportunity that comes to us, it is an opportunity to reflect God to the world around us, to bear his name properly. And so today, maybe you feel encouraged. That's my prayer, is that all of us would just leave here encouraged to really bear God's name well, to follow him and pursue him. And so if if that's you and you're like, I I don't know what the next steps are, let me offer you quickly four things to take and and maybe use as an opportunity to really bear God's name well. The first one is this. View our choices as mirrors. Our daily choices act as mirrors, reflecting what's truly in our hearts. When faced with decisions, do we choose kindness over impatience, generosity over selfishness, and truth over deceit? When we're engaging with our friends, are we choosing to be authentic with them? And if we're not, man, we really need to look at our faith. And we need to realize that maybe there's some stuff we need to work on. Second, 
be intentional in image bearing. Bearing God's name means being intentional in our choices. Before we act, before we speak, we should pause and ask, does this choice honor God? Does it align with his teachings? Does it represent Yahweh, his name, his character? Are people going to see Jesus through me in these actions, in this choice that I'm making? Thirdly, reflect on the ripple effect of our choices. Every choice we make has a ripple effect. A single act of kindness can brighten someone's day, leading them to spread kindness further. But man, as Christians, we can go so much deeper than that. Loving people well, even the people that are difficult to love, can lead people to see a God that loves them. Conversely, a negative action can have a lasting impact, pushing people away from the love of God. Look at our choices and look at the ripple effect of those choices. And finally, we can see guidance, we can seek guidance in choices. We won't always get it right. We're human after all, but in these moments of uncertainty, we can turn to God and trusted brothers and sisters in Christ to seek out God's guidance and wisdom in our decisions, also knowing that God is full of grace and forgiveness. And while our choices in our day-to-day life can seem insignificant, in the grand scheme of things, they hold immense power. They have the potential to draw people closer to God or to push them away. And so as bearers of God's name, let's strive to make choices that reflect his heart and love authentically to the world around us. As we've journeyed through today's message, I really pray that one truth stands out, that bearing God's name is a privilege, but it also is a responsibility. It's not merely about professing our faith. It is about walking it out in tangible and authentic ways. From the stories that we share to the daily choices that we make, every aspect of our lives should reflect the heart of God. And in a world that often values superficiality, this perfect image over substance, where social media can sometimes paint a one-sided view of life, our call as Christians is to be different. Our call is to be genuine, genuine bearers of Christ's name, living out an authentic faith that doesn't need to be perfect, but that does need to be continually walked out pursuing Christ. We need to live a faith that's going to resonate with truth and love. But how do we ensure that our lives consistently reflects this? And this is where I want to land today is I think it, it starts with introspection. It starts with examining our heart and making sure that it's open to God's guidance. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. As we close today, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to invite you into a moment of quiet reflection And I invite you all in this moment just to close your eyes. So go ahead, close your eyes, just pause to yourself, and I'm going to guide us through some questions that will allow us to search our heart, to look at if we are bearing God's name well, and to maybe make some choices. And so for the next few minutes, I just want to encourage you to turn your attention inward. And the first thing I want to ask you is this. Consider where you currently stand in bearing God's name. Are there areas where you've been authentic in your faith? And and what does that look like for you to be authentic? Are there moments where you faltered? What What does that look like? 
And even as you like think through those things, maybe where you've fallen short, do you know that God's grace is sufficient? That his forgiveness is, is there, you just need to ask for it and accept it. Finally, just look at how can you be more authentic with those around you, allowing you to truly bear the name of Yahweh. join me in praying. God, reveal to us the areas where we have bared your name well. God, help us to have a hunger to do that more. Lord God, help us to seek your guidance and to welcome our brothers and sisters in Christ into our journey to be authentic with one another so that we can bear your name well, so that we can further your kingdom and your glory in Edmonton. God, help us to remember that bearing your name isn't about perfection. It's about a walk. It's about progression. It's about continuously growing and learning and and striving to better represent you God, we, we desperately need you. You are a good Savior who loves us. And you call us to bear your name. Lord God, help us to leave today with a renewed commitment to bear your name. To bear your name with authenticity. To bear your name with love. And to bear your name with grace. May our lives, Lord Jesus, be a beacon of hope, drawing others closer to you. Pray this in your name. Amen.